0: You know, a leader is about how to help make the people that they're working with be the best that they can be and be the happiest that they can be. If you are outwardly caring about your, your team and about your customers and about how you're solving problems, that's what makes a good leader.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Speak Like a CEO. I'm Lena Carlson and I'm here with Oliver Aust, who is the CEO and founder of E-Wip, So Hi Oliver.
2: Hello everyone, hi Lena. Our guest today is Catherine Schiveller. Catherine is the founder and CEO of Work Truck Solutions and she's based in California. So the company helps dealers manage their commercial inventory and connect with their business buyers. Additionally, the company aims to reduce buyer pain points through the transaction process while increasing profits for the commercial operation. Welcome Catherine.
0: Hello, Oliver. Hi, Lena. It's super
1: nice to chat to you today, Catherine. We had a quick chat last week when we were talking about the podcast, and it was really infectious. I was very excited about the way you talk about communications and knew we just had to have you on the podcast. The company that you are the founder and CEO of Work Truck Solutions—it doesn't sound like the typical startup Berlin company that we have normally on the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about what you actually do?
0: Well, we are a cloud-based company, so we're technology, but we're in an industry that is very, very uh, non-technical. So I think holistically, what we try to do is bring people into into uh, new opportunities to be more efficient uh, as they move what are called work trucks which and vans, which are specially built vehicles for unique businesses through the entire supply chain. And uh, it is a very, a very, I guess I would call it opaque and a very uh, clunky supply chain right now.
2: Could you give us some examples of what you actually do, what sort of truck for whom and who's the beneficiary of your service?
0: Absolutely. I love talking about this. If you think about it today, essential businesses are really what we're talking about. Companies that do plumbing, that do electrical, that are repairing your heating and air conditioning, delivery companies for sure, all the kinds of companies that have to bring services and products to you, emergency vehicles, transport, construction. Every time that you look around you from this day forward, you're going to start seeing them. But before, they were like hidden in the background. It's pretty amazing.
1: It's so fascinating to me. And I guess at the moment, lots of industries are actually having to become more technology-based, given the current circumstances. How has that affected you, the coronavirus, at the moment?
0: Well, in the the U.S., we have dealerships who have been prevented from selling, by the shelter at home requirements and that's a that's very difficult because dealerships are who we help uh, primarily on our platform to and so that we're working through that we're helping our dealers get through this time some of them can sell remotely that's very exciting and it is going to change this industry's approach to being able to help their customers and of course the dealer's customers are, are these vocational companies and landscapers and all these uh, companies that are currently trying to get their work done. But if their vehicle dies, they're kind of at, at a loss then, right? And so I hope that answered the question.
1: Yeah, I guess so. And I was reading earlier that you were originally in the publishing industry, which is how you got your start in the industry you're in now. How does that help having kind of a background that is a little bit more communications focused now stepping into a more technical role?
0: That's a great question. And here's why. Because in my my last large software company, I was in the cable television industry and we uh, developed what we called video publishing, which is a way to take at the time a new technology which was digitizing photographs and putting them on a hard drive, we were able to build content and it was easy and cost effective, but it was new technology. And what I learned in that process is how difficult it is to help people transition from one thing that they've been doing and one way of looking at things, et cetera, into a brand new pattern, a brand new viewpoint. And of course, communication is the only way to do that. And how do you how do you help make that happen? Right. So this is the next even bigger challenge for me because the people in the work truck industry, the demographics when we started, um, when we launched our first dealership in 2013, the demographics of the space was most people were over 65.
2: How has that informed your communications approach? So um, if, if you came to a 65-year-old plumber and talked about cloud-based solutions, you'd probably get a, a shrug of the shoulders. But So how did you manage to persuade your customers to work with you?
0: You're right. It's very challenging because it wasn't just that it was something new. But at the time, dealers, you know, a 65-year-old dealer a salesperson they, at the time, literally didn't understand how to send an email or how to search online. So it required, it forced us as a design software company to build something that was so simple, all they had to do was look at it and click. And that is what we did. We ended up, we, we actually came out with one version, and it was just a little bit too fancy or or modern. (laughs) And we actually ended up having to go back to the drawing board and create something that was highly visual. So our iconic solution is what we call a vocational carousel. And it's little visual wireframes of the types of vehicles, so that all someone has to do is look, see the vehicle that they're looking for and click on it. And then they're starting to see the types of things that they're looking for. So, it you know, I, I'm always fascinated by uh, how communication, I, I, I don't know if, if you're familiar with the quote from Mark Twain, but it, I love it. It's, I'm sorry I wrote such a long letter. I didn't have time to write a shorter one.
2: Yeah, that, that's a good one. <laughs> I love to that. In.
0: And to me that's really what communication is all about is how do you simplify the message down how do you how do you create just the essence of what you're trying to say so that it can be heard by anyone? I think
1: sometimes the simplest communication, such as, you know, a visual diagram of what the product is can sometimes be the hardest to conceptualize because you really have to think about all the knowledge that you have from years in the industry and what you want to say, and then whittle it down to the simplest, clearest message that anyone could understand whether they're, you know, in the industry Mm -hmm. or not. How does that process look like for you? Because for me, I'm like, God, that must be so difficult for your industry.
0: Well, first of all, I I think uh, it's very, very difficult to do it for just anybody, right? I think the way that I start is I start with who is the audience. And, you know, for me, communication is always about targeting the audience that I'm trying to, to, to message, right, to communicate with. And so sometimes... You can do that with words and with other approaches. But in this case, it really did. uh, One of the key problems that we noticed was that for the salesperson to be talking on the phone to a plumber, they were finding it difficult to communicate. The plumber was calling the truck something. They had a name for it. But it really wasn't the same name that the salesperson had. And that actually was something that we observed was something that created extended unsuccessful communication because they both thought they were talking about the same thing and they weren't and they ended off in the wrong place and and having to start over again or being unhappy, right? And I think that's a really good metaphor for life, right? It's so important to make sure that you're talking about the same thing. So, you know, for example, some of the things that I've learned in my, uh, quite adequately linked life (laughs) is (laughs) to never use pronouns. (laughs) I mean, when you talk to someone and you say, you know, I, I, I think that, that, it or he or or them or or whatever. If you use that kind of method of talking uh, instead of using proper nouns, the names of the the specific product or the name of the person, what happens is it triggers the telephone game. It, you know, somebody picks up, they're listening and they're putting the word interpretation into that sentence, and then they're off on their own thinking. And so that was one of the things that I learned in my last company from a, uh, a not very nice person that I was working with. He really truly wasn't very nice, but he taught me about how to be really crisp and clear in communication by not using pronouns. I will tell you that.
2: That's <laughs> good. Very interesting take on it. And if you take a step back, how do you how did you actually start to convince and persuade potential customers to, to actually look at the app and look at the solutions and give it a chance?
0: I think that the way that you start is you have to find someone who's open minded enough and that has enough pain. It's kind of the combination of, of the pain level. I' don't, one of my favorite statements about change is change is what happens when the pain becomes greater of the the sit, current situation than the pain of the change. Right? Think, so yeah, that's, you that's need to find yeah. yeah, you need to find people that are that recognize the pain that they're experiencing and offer them something that will help them, right? And, and it, it's, it is, it's a long process. You have to find some believers and you have to make that pain go away or get better. And then you can start using them because that's what you really need is you need people that are, that are in it, that are using it, that, are, that have already gotten a benefit that, to tell other people.
2: I think you're absolutely spot on that change often feels painful to people, especially in sort of, uh, you know, established and traditional industries. But does that mean in your view that you have to wait until the pain is, you know, so severe that people look for a solution? Or can you, uh, you know, talk people or persuade people of a better solution, even if the pain isn't really there?
0: So I think that if you can itemize the pain, so to speak, you know, um, be, be granular about the, inef- so let's, let's use, an, let's substitute the word inefficiency for pain, okay? Because yep. in business inefficiency, or let's, you, let's substitute the word opacity, you can't see what's going on, right? So to me, the word pain has some very specific manifestations, right, in, in the business world. So you find one of them and you point it out. That, that starts creating a return on investment for making that change.
1: From a different perspective, whilst we're talking about pain points, one article that exists on the internet about you is how you talk about being a female leader in a male dominated industry. And I think being a female CEO in certain industries, particularly the automotive one, can be a pain point for many founders. What are your thoughts or your views on the subject? How do you talk about this?
0: Well, number one, Lena, when someone says to me, you're a female leader in a male-dominated industry, the first thing I say is, what ones aren't? Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So, as long as we're (laughs) on the same page there. I honestly, I think it was much more difficult for me in the cable television industry to be a female. Maybe it was at the time, or maybe it just continues. I don't know. When I walked away from that industry, I was very pleased because the... The culture of the industry, I did not realize at the time because I was in it, but the culture of the industry was very negative and I was very glad to leave that. When I found the the work truck industry, that was what really drew me to it was that the culture is so honest and honorable and hardworking and salt of the earth and backbone of our economy. And I could have honest and open conversations. And so to me, number one, uh, that, was, that was really compelling. But really, over time, I started realizing that being a female was actually an advantage to me in this space. And, and of course, being in the kind, the kind of company that we were, which was solving a problem, you know, it was like we didn't, we made really sure that we always were neutral, that we didn't have a quote unquote dog in the fight, right? We were, we were looking to improve everyone across the whole industry. And I think that, you know, in my conversations with people, it was easier for me to be perceived as less threatening, as less challenging, as less dominating, and more truly trying to make that happen by being a female.
1: Do you think it impacted your
0: fundraising journey in any way? form? (laughs) Oh, Lena, you ask such interesting questions. Um, So some of the data that's out there is that only 2% of all venture capital funding goes to women-run companies. I could go on for a while, but um, you get the the drift there. I I literally, in 2014, I was trying to raise our A-Series and I went to Silicon Valley because I'm in Northern California and it was pretty impossible for me to get any kind of interest. And I think that that was truly for two reasons. First of all, I'm a woman. And secondly, it was work trucks. And that was not very sexy. It still isn't very sexy, but it it wasn't an app, right? And I was very, very fortunate because I did run into and where I got introduced to a group called Golden Seeds. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them, but they are a wonderful organization that has chapters across the United States, and they are a angel group. So these chapters invest in, in startups, but they only invest in women run companies. And for me, it was perfect because then I had two things going for me. Number one, I was a woman. And number two, it was work trucks, which of course has been kind of fun because it was so unusual. That's really cool.
2: You mentioned the negative culture in the cable television industry, and I was wondering to what extent has that informed your own company culture, and what did you do to shape your own company culture?
0: I think that when I decided to start Work Truck Solutions, I was a very mature, serial entrepreneur who had to make a informed decision. You know, when you're young and you're excited, that's one thing, but when you know what it's going to take to do something, and you've you know, you've gone through, I mean, literally, you've made every mistake, probably some of them more than once, embarrassingly. Um, I, I said, I, I really needed three to, to, to have three things that I've learned from from past experience. That's a good number. Well, number one was, I'm not I think I, I'm not sure I can say this, you guys may need to cut it out, but no assholes. <laughs> um, and I mean, I that. No assholes. (laughs) So it is a great rule to have, and it's been very. uh, It's it's continued to evolve and and define itself on what that means, but that's great. Um, And then I am uh, number three. That was number one. Number three was that I really wanted to control our our culture. Because not only was the cable industry not a good culture, but I allowed some things to happen in my last company that I felt I should have done a better job for my employees. And so I wanted to make it a place where everybody could come and be appreciated and where every job that everybody had was as important as, I mean, you can't have a company without all the work being done. So we're very flat, we're very transparent, and we worked really, really hard at building that kind of a culture, and I, I it's been phenomenal. And so, yes, I, I, absolutely feel I learned that lesson. The number two was really more about me as a, as an entrepreneur and learning to let go in some way because it w- had been so much weight. And I, 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 to do this, I had to, I had to commit to myself that I would. Find really, really smart people, smarter than me, and then I would delegate them to go the direction that I that we defined, but to be in charge of that and, and be able to do it their way. And uh, honestly, that was once I decided that it was like my whole life changed. It was magic, and in fact, synergy and syn- you know all synchronicity and serendipity, all those wonderful things started happening to the point where it was kind of scary. And so I had to come up with a name for it, Truckma.
1: Okay, Truckma. Tell us what that is exactly.
0: Well, it's sort of like karma, but it's
1: trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, within the company, what exactly does synergies look like for you guys?
0: Well, for me, it's our ability to help across an entire industry in a way that results in everyone gaining.
2: Could you give us an example of of, uh, when that happened for you?
0: Sure. Uh, For example, when we got to a certain number of dealerships, we had enough inventory that then we could start helping the manufacturers see what was actually happening in their space for the first time. And creating a way, we, we created what are called locators that help customers go to a brand manufacturer's site and be able to locate things that they need to buy right now but that are off on some dealer's lot that no one knew about. And 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 it, it just it every step of the way it seemed like we ran into the right people and got introduced to the right situation to be able to unfold this platform, this solution that is is slowly helping everybody in the in the supply chain.
2: That makes a lot of sense. And what's what's on the horizon for you guys? Do you have big plans to expand, or you know, are are you are you continue on the path you had? What, what's what's the end game for you?
0: Well, some very exciting news. The end of last year, we launched a marketplace. It's Convoy, C O M V O Y ycom and this was the. You know, as I was describing to you how we're helping, this was really the way we are now pulling the the dealers, the manufacturers, the supply chain together with the customers that are looking um, for solutions and looking for things they need them right away and learning more about what their options are, because in this space, this kind of hidden space of these vocational people, no one had ever created a resource for them to learn about new technologies, to learn about new vehicle options, and to find things quickly and efficiently.
1: That's really great. You've had now, I think, seven startups, is that correct? Correct. Or seven companies. What Mm -hmm. would be your best advice in terms of leadership for other CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs?
0: I think the most important thing is to remember that as even though you have a very uh, strong goal, that you need to listen to people around you and help them reflect back to you what it is that you need to be focused on. Because it's very easy for young entrepreneurs, particularly having been one, to just be so focused at going forward and hitting a goal that's in your own head that you can miss a lot of opportunity to um, to be a good leader.
2: And how's that? How's that evolved over time? In seven startups, founding seven companies—that's that's a lot. That's more than pretty much all entrepreneurs I know. How how has your view on entrepreneurship and leadership evolved over time?
0: I think that for me, it's truly evolved into that a leader is not about themselves. You know, a leader is about how to help make the, the people that they're working with the, be the best that they can be and be the happiest that they can be. And, you know, I think that if you are outwardly caring about your, your team and about your customers and about how you're solving problems, that's what makes a good leader.
1: I think that's such a good approach. And especially right now, I think lots of people are watching carefully how companies treat their employees and really, you know, follow through on those principles to decide are they really good employees for the future? So definitely keep them forefront of mind. Do you have a final piece of communications advice before we wrap up the interview? How about my favorite communication
0: sentence? Sounds great. If you want to be terrific, you got to be specific. (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and um, what's what's on the horizon for you personally? Is there anything exciting coming up for, for you in your life, uh, in your career with regard to work truck solutions? Anything you want to share?
0: You know, we are an evolving company. Uh, we're growing. We, we, we expect to scale quite a bit coming out of the current situation and continuing to, to help bring the right kind of technology to the right uh, solutions. And I think for me, that's really exciting. I'm, I'm learning a lot. Uh, one of my favorite things is to learn and solve problems. So I'm very excited about the future. Mm-hmm. Sounds great.
1: Thanks so much for chatting with us today, Catherine.
2: Thank you, Catherine. Much appreciated.
0: I enjoyed it too.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.